Well, thank you to our instrumentalists for playing that beautiful song. It is really what we need more than ever before to seek him. And I would imagine, like no other time in your life, in my life, in our history, it seems to me, would we want to imagine a different future, a new day, a new experience, a new way. We do that at the start of a normal year, but this is not an ordinary new year for us, it seems. We entered hoping that 2021 wouldn't be 2020 press rewind. But you know, in some ways, we're wondering. This year, this new year is not an ordinary new year, and this week has not been an ordinary week. That's why... This is a different message about we three kings. Not about stars and gifts and pretend manger scenes, but rather, we are the Magi. And I can't think of maybe a more timely passage and message for this week, for right now, than this one. As we ask the question, What did it take to be the Magi? Recently, Len Sweet said this, we do not need more resolutions, but more resolve. It's been established that 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by the first week of February. So if you've made your New Year's resolution, I'm just giving you a heads up. 32 days is the average lifespan of a resolution. 32 days. I ask myself, why is that? My unscientific, but uh, let's say experiential conclusion is that resolutions primarily deal with trying to improve the past. Most of them are related to health and to eating and to exercise. In fact, the overwhelming majority are related to that. But this is what I think happens. We we look to change the past, and that's not all bad because a very important part of repentance is looking back at the past and wanting to change that. But resolutions are somewhat about looking backward and hoping for change. But resolve is not necessarily rooted in a specific action, but in a determined focus. It is not the action or performance that drives the decisions, but it is that focus. And I think that's what draws me, what I think should draw us today, to these mysterious travelers on their journey to the Christ child. Their journey was not based on some resolutions to try to rectify the past, but rather their journey was rooted in a resolve in living forward. There's so much that we really don't know about them. Where did they come from? We have a sense they were from Persia, modern Iran and Iraq in that region, but we really don't truly know how many of them were there. The carol, Christmas carol, tells us there was three, but that's based off of the three gifts that are mentioned in Scripture. And what about those gifts? I wonder if Mary and Joseph would have appreciated something more practical, like food, clothing, or diapers. 
Maybe there were some other gifts that were brought that day too. But I think it is what we do know, what we can discern, that draws us in as we embrace this journey, as we even find ourselves today on January 10th of 2021. So let's join the Magi on their journey. This is the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord for us. Thanks be to God for his word. We do not need more resolutions, and Sweet said, but more resolve. And I think these are the lessons for us today that we learn as we journey with the wise men. The first lesson is this. We need to be resolved to prepare to encounter Jesus Christ. We need to be prepared to encounter him. These strange travelers were not your typical prophets or teachers of the day. The Magi were considered to be the wise seekers of truth, the philosophers, the scientists, the scholars in their part of the world. They knew the history of the world. No doubt they knew the history of religions. They were cultural observers. They were aware of what was going on in the world around them. And in their study and in their observation they discovered something, and it comes across in the form of a question. And the question is this. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? I imagine in their search for truth, they landed upon the Hebrew scriptures and maybe even found the words of Isaiah for to us a child is born, it says in chapter 9. To us a son is given and a government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Or maybe in their search for truth, they went a further back in the Hebrew Scriptures to the book of Numbers and they heard these words. 
I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. We don't know. But we do know they had to prepare for this journey. And not just in provisions and gear, but they, they had to prepare their hearts and their minds for this journey. They had to read, they had to understand what they were doing in their search to encounter the Messiah. How am I preparing to encounter Jesus? Everything we do in terms of discipleship, like our new journey group this morning, and other places of Bible study, even our worship, our gathering, all of that is not intended for us just to gain more Bible knowledge or become better church people or even good people, but rather to have a transforming encounter with Jesus the Christ, who still wants to be born in our hearts today. So am I resolved to such an encounter? Are you resolved to such an encounter? You see, epiphanies, like the Magi had, this manifestation, this revelation, this discovery of the Christ, come to those who are prepared to receive them. How are you preparing to encounter Jesus? And can I just say, after this week, is there anything more important in all of life? Anne Voskamp remembered words once shared with her by a man from another country. He said this, you have to come into the king's presence before you can go out into the king's world. That's how it still works in some countries. You got to come into the king's presence before you can go out into the king's world. She then goes on and says, before we can go out into the world, we have to come into his presence. And day after day of coming into the king of kings' presence, you come to realize you're pledging allegiance to this king of the upside-down kingdom. Something in that encounter with Jesus even caused those wise men to bow down. You see, when you are preparing to encounter Jesus, you better be prepared to be changed at the deepest places of your heart. So let's be resolved to encounter him. But also then, let's be resolved to be curious and teachable. I think the words of Mary Oliver describe for us these magi pretty well. She writes this, pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. Pay attention, be astonished, tell about it. These Magi, these travelers, paid attention, didn't they? They were a curious lot. It says in verse 2, We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Can you imagine that star rising and you're in some far off land? What would you do? Stars and night sky and dreams? That sounds a little too mystical for me sometimes. But let's also face it. These mysterious travelers are not the kind of people we expect God to speak to. I mean, looking at the text, I think it's safe to conclude that these wise men were likely not Jews. And it's probably true that they did not become Christians as we imagined them to. But they had an encounter with Jesus 
that change them. Here's the point. We need to remember that God reveals himself in different ways and different people. We need to pay attention. We need to be curious, especially with the scriptures, which is his primary revelation to us other than Christ. What is the scripture saying to me about my life? What is God saying to me in the circumstances of my life? What is God, where is God evident? What are my experiences, my emotions, my encounters with others saying to me? And let's not underestimate what and who God wants to speak, to use to speak into our lives. Let's make sure we are not building echo chambers around us where we only listen to those who think and look and act and vote like us. Because then we begin to see those different than us as less than the people they are. And we just may miss something God is trying to say to us. Let's learn from those who may even have a different perspective, a different view, a different background. No one expected Magi from the East to point in the direction of the Messiah. Could it be that one of the most essential ways for us to actually see Jesus is to be curious, to pay attention, to humble ourselves and to be teachable? Let's be resolved to be that. But then we need to be resolved to journey in faith. The wise men teach me that. Their discovery about this child and that star was not just left to intellectual musings and and maybe some theoretical imaginings. They could have stayed in their country and just imagined and just thought about it and, and just had conversations about it. But rather they stepped out in faith from the familiar of their world and into the darkness of the unknown. And they really had no idea how it would end. Think about it. They did not first go to a little house where a baby was. They went to the seat of power. They had no idea how it was really going to end. Maybe all they had was the revelation from the ancient Hebrew prophets as their guide. And they trusted God in the darkness that was before them. And in that darkness, that unknown, there they found Jesus in the place they wouldn't have imagined, in the last place they would have ever looked, they found Jesus. And it causes me to ask the question of myself, can I have faith that Jesus will meet me where I do not yet see him? Or that Jesus will meet me in the most unexpected way, or place, or even circumstances? Sometimes, We want to move out of the darkness. I know I want to move out of the darkness thinking that God has some better place for me, better place for us, and he might. But if Christmas and Epiphany teach us anything, it teaches us that the light shines in the darkness. This past Wednesday, on Wednesday morning during our word and prayer, I shared some thoughts. The words I shared, I shared without any idea of how important they would be to my mind and my heart about 10 hours later, 12 hours later, as we were all reeling from what was happening in our capital, in our nation's capital. 
These words I spoke on Wednesday morning. This is the promise of epiphany. That not after the darkness has covered the earth, not when the gloom no longer casts shadows over the nations, but in the days and moments when the darkness is the deepest shade of black and the shadows cast their longest pale, the Lord will shine upon you, Isaiah says, and God's glory will appeal appear over you. Can we journey with faith that the light of Christ will still indeed shine on us? That the Lord will shine in the midst of darkness? Do we have faith to believe that the Lord will shine even as the darkness at times whether it's in our own lives personally or as we're witnessing the violence and destruction from Wednesday, can we believe his light will still shine in the darkness? Let us resolve, let us resolve that faith in the journey that it will. But then let us resolve one more thing, maybe two more things. And this one may be the most essential lesson, it seems to me, from the wise men. Be resolved to let desire for and devotion to God lead you and lead me. What is your greatest desire? Ask yourself that question. What, what is it that you are most devoted to? Where lies your greatest devotion? One thing about these travelers, their journey was not some antiseptic project that was intended to turn Jesus, this baby they were looking for, this king they were looking for, into some specimen to examine, some, some new pragmatic idea to carry out, some life lesson to glean from, some idea to prove. Their purposes, in many ways, we would consider not pragmatic at all. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 10, we hear... We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We then later hear that when they saw the star, it says they were overjoyed. And then when they finally encounter Jesus there with his mother, they bowed down and worshiped him. You see, all they wanted All they were after, all they wanted was to encounter the Christ and worship him. That was their truest desire. That's all they wanted. And the truth is, if we truly seek and look for our deepest desires with honesty, we will discover that he is the only one who can fully meet our truest and deepest desires. And and that fed their devotion. In recent weeks, the prayer for devotion and desire has grown within me. And I found myself praying that I would know Jesus more intimately and love him more intensely and follow him more closely. And I think the Magi would understand that. And that desire for for God leads to seeking 
the desires of God, seeking this devotion to God in all things. Now, when we read it in the text, we may think little of it. But this one action of the Magi reveals what we need to know about their devotion. And I need to tell you, it speaks to the American church this morning. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. You see, they began by going to the seat of power. And why would they not? They were looking for Messiah the king. So they went to the place where they thought they would find power, where they would find the king. But they found someone who pursued power, but not God. And they were left with a choice. They could appease the political power or be led by their devotion to and purposes of God. That's the choice they were left with. But for them to simply choose to disobey Herod and go in a different direction potentially invited severe reaction from this unstable leader, which Herod was. And yet, they refused to have their mission or their lives co-opted by the appearance of power. So they went a different way, it says. They served the purpose of God and not the politics of men. That was the title of an editorial penned this week in Christianity Today by Daniel Harrell. Searching, serving the purposes of God and not the politics of men. He wrote this. As Christians, whatever our politics, and let me underline that, as Christians first, whatever our politics, the events of this week demands we disentangle and reject the suspicions, lies, grievances, umbrages, and arrogance that have characterized our politics and country and its leaders of late. We must refuse to let our faith be co-opted by political power and principalities, despite our allegiance to country. We need to let the devotion of these magi speak into our lives right now. Now the, the Bible is not some antiseptic specimen for us to examine, but it's not just a book for us to read, but right now it must read us. And Voskamp went on and said this, when we pledge allegiance to the king of kings, our purpose is never to leverage political power to protect self-interests, but to pick up our cross because the sacrificial cruciform ways of Christ leverages a completely otherworldly power that's interested in protecting others. You see, the Magi, the Magi, what they did was they protected Jesus by going a different way. Isn't that interesting? When we encounter Jesus, when they encounter Jesus, we go a different way. We have a different way of being in the world. And it starts with this. What and whom, what and or whom am I devoted to? What am or whom am I truly devoted to? I think it's the words of Jesus our Savior spoken in his adulthood that are perhaps never more relevant at this point. In Matthew 6.33, the, the, the scriptures speak to us. Instead, 
desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What kingdom will I align my life with is a question for me today. I invite you to ask that question of yourself as well. As followers of Christ who claim to fall under the banner of his kingdom, we must, we must carry forth a different narrative, a different way of being rooted in a different narrative. And the narrative is that of Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So what does it look like for his kingdom to be my first desire, your first desire? What does it look like for the king of kings to be the object of your greatest devotion, my greatest devotion? Perhaps this prayer from Thomas Merton captures my heart when it comes to desire and devotion. He prays, my Lord God, I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road. My friends, let us be resolved to be led by our desire for and our devotion to King Jesus. One more. One more lesson from these travelers. They resolved to release what they had to Jesus. And of course, as the Magi, we finally present our gifts, right? They then opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we can get into the specific meaning of the gifts that were offered. We can speculate whether it was just three gifts that they brought, but I think there's a larger point. And here's part of that point. This makes no sense. Think about it. They brought their gifts to a baby who was in the custody of, their, of his adolescent mother in a very deprived economic scenario. This does not make sense. There's no sign of power. There's no real sign of any kind of prophetic fulfillment. As Shelley Copeland said, this scene was not a formula for success. This isn't how we think it should go. I don't think I'd plan it that way. You probably wouldn't either. So, so can we see it? Can we, can we see it in this place that made no sense? They release control and fully offer what they had, though to many it probably made no sense. They had to release not only their gifts, but their expectations, I'm sure. They had to release all that to the one who was actually the gift to them. It is often what we do or what we think about the material gifts of life that reveal the true spiritual truth of our hearts. It wasn't the gifts neatly wrapped that made the difference. You see, it was the offering of their hearts and their lives. Not just in providing the gifts that day, but way back here when they decided to encounter him. When they started on their journey here, the journey itself is a gift. All of that offered. 
And it was in that offering, it was in that releasing of themselves and of their lives and of their expectations that changed everything. That's what changed the Magi. They left and they went home in a different way. You see, you never know what you may discover when you resolve to offer what you have and what you are to God. You may just encounter Jesus as never before. So yes, I think Leonard Sweet is right. We do not need more resolutions, but more resolve. How will you, how will I, resolve to journey toward an encounter with Jesus right now? It is needed in my life, in our lives, in our nation, and in our world, as never, ever before. Let us resolve, let us resolve to seek him. Amen. Our instrumentalists are going to play the song, Be Thou My Vision. And I would really encourage you to follow the link on our Facebook page to the YouTube songs that we have put out there that they have been playing all morning and take a deep listen today to each and every one of them. But as they play, let us receive this benediction. And now, O King, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us, Lord. And Lord, we pray now that as we go, as we engage our day wherever we find ourselves, that we will be resolved to be your people, your person. That we would be resolved to seek first your kingdom. That we would be resolved to seek you as the way, the truth, and the life. That we would be resolved to desire after you with all our hearts, to be devoted to you with the fabric of our lives. Lord, may we resolve to encounter Jesus as never before moving forward in this year. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our incomparable Savior, our reigning King. In the name of Jesus, we pray. God bless you. May you know him this day in your day.